Hello, Southern. Sorry I'm so late, you people. Uh, welcome to Talk Shoe Legal Deception Community Call. I'm, I'm so sorry. My computer's running like molasses right now. I couldn't even barely log in. Um, tonight, I know Southern, um, it was my imagination. <laughs> I thought that Southern was on the call yesterday on uh, Redemption and Equity, which is our other group. Um, he wasn't, so I had to um, bring him up to speed about what we were going to be talking about tonight, which was the fact that when you die, um, that they're administrating your estate. And so I had to catch him today and let him know that I wanted to do this show because uh, we need to talk a little bit about how it's done, what they're doing after you die. And they were, you know, and I'm going to put up those covenants on uh, both uh, redemption and equity and legal deception. Uh, You can read through them. One comes from a seminary school and the other one comes from an expert in um, covenants. So uh, you can look at it, know what those covenants mean and how they're affecting you today. You know, like you may live in a modern society, but there were ancient covenants that royal families and bloodlines uh, keep to that you don't know about, and that's the real underlying cause for why people uh, don't understand the secret language of courts and and why you're, you know, losing your children and your cases in court. And I'm hoping, you know, that I've talked to a couple of mothers today, and I'm hoping that they're going to be on here today Um if we could just get the moms and dads to start coming in here that are losing their children, and, you know, that's going to be by the thousands, you know, like people that have lost their children. Uh, over 500,000 children per year are put into a foster care system. I know this because I used to go to Washington, D.C. to represent those moms and dads, and um, I would have to bring the facts, and when you're going to go in and uh, – bust up the Congress over there and knock on their door and complain about it. You have to have the facts. Um, And here's the thing. They have to meet a quota. That means they have to steal so many children per square mile radius. I used to do a show on this called um, Abuse Freedom. I have a wall there. Um, It was founded by uh, Cheryl Jane Boyer, who passed away. last November, and her husband, uh, he's a retired attorney, and that was their baby. And I was um, the co-CEO of that organization. We were trying to help people. And um, so you moms and dads out there who uh, think that uh, you're losing your children is because you did something wrong, well, you know, you're you'd be surprised to know that they're not even using laws to take their children away. They're, it's all private. It's all their opinion. Uh, there's no laws established uh, that can tell you how to raise your children. And Southern's going to talk about that today, about being a bastard child. Um, 
I saw that Daniel posted something about the names, and I posted it right after he did because I was looking for something, and that article came up, and I didn't know that he had posted like a minute before I did. But um, what I wanted to say before Southern goes deeply into the, uh, what do you call that, the dividing of the estate um, after death is that if you look at those two birth certificates, okay, um, you're going to clearly see that on the daughter, the, the royal princess, if you notice her name, it has only the first names of three or four generations of mothers, okay? And the last one being who? Diana. The fifth generation would be her mother, which was Kate Middleton. You look really carefully on there. It'll say, I think, um, I don't, I can't remember which one came before Elizabeth, but it'll say Charlotte, so-and-so, Elizabeth, Diana, and then the mother was Kate Middleton. So I went to go look up Prince George, but instead I pulled up Prince Williams. If you look carefully, people on there, It'll say William, Arthur, so-and-so, so-and-so, and and then his father, um, Charles, is the last one. It's only using the given names of the ancestry of the fathers, okay, if you're a boy. And then it says, um, uh, wait a minute, it said uh, Wales or something. It'll say Prince whatever. Look at it carefully because you're not. I mean, I'm not saying you're not. A lot of people didn't respond to what I posted, so I'm wondering if they got it or if they didn't get it. Um, They don't use last names. They have a last name, but it's reserved. I think that's where they hold the power of the purses inside that last name, the family name, which goes on from generation to generation, okay? Secondly, I had wrote a beautiful post this morning for you guys based on one of my little downloads that I get, and guess what? As soon as I posted it, Facebook deleted it. I had gotten something where it said that um, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody shall get to the Father but through me. And I actually had a download this morning that told me the exact definition to use for the way the truth, and the life. But we'll talk about that at the end of the show. I'm going to try to remember what was said to me, but I will get to that in the end of the show. And if anybody's on my private wall, my well, not private, private, public wall, my personal wall on there, Nelly de Torres Santiago, you will see that I just posted a gangbuster definition for style and how it relates to royalty and bloodline. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show, too, Um, because we were talking about this yesterday, and this is for those who are more advanced. You know, you guys are doing this name change. While you're doing it, um, I've got... uh, We'll talk about the adoption, too, that the key in that article that was posted on legal deception was the fact that it asked, what name was Williams going to adopt? That meant that as a child, he was holding his father's name. 
But when he became 18, as Southern will tell you, you had to pick a name and you were entitled to a nationality. You, but when you're 18, you get to pick what you want it to be at the end. You get to pick your nationality. And that's why you should read that article on legal deception. It'll match immigration laws. Um, do not let immigration fool you. Like they were talking that garbage of me saying, oh, you're a U.S. citizen. No, 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 no. <laughs> Test me. No, no, no. I even told her the immigration law said that we were supposed to pick a name and a nationality. That's when they were hanging up on me and stuff because they didn't think we'd ever discover that. But one more minute. My daughter, who doesn't really understand what's going on because she thinks I'm a nut job, told me today, she just called me before I got the show set up and says, Mom, I am really scared. And I said, what's going on? She says, I hear Donald Trump saying things, Mama, that you've been trying to tell me. And I said, you are crazy. I think he, I'm scared he's saying the same things you are, talking about people are dead and registered dead voters. And um, I don't know if anybody heard this, but she said that she heard Donald Trump say, if you vote me into office, I'm going to tell you guys a secret that they haven't told you and that you don't really have to graduate from high school and I'm going to show you how they're living off of you and how they're, and he said, I will show you how to triple your income without doing any of those things that you're doing. Um, basically, he's, but, I, you know, you say that, I think they're going to really try to hurt this man because, he would be revealing to you their secrets on the wealth, on how they're robbing us blind so that they can live under the richness that they're living under that is just astronomical. Now, with that, um, I want to tell you guys, if you want us to continue doing these shows, you need to bring people to the show. You know why? Because we don't want to be alone in this, okay? You got you got a man here running for president, even though I don't believe in that anyways about voting for people because I'm competent enough to tell you what he's telling you. But the fact that here's a man who does have exposure, let me tell you the things that he's telling you on TV can earn him his death sentence, okay? He is risking it all so that you guys can pick up on the cues and um, if you notice, I posted on my wall these Dem um, Republicans that went to go see him when they left the rally. There were thousands of Democrats outside ready to beat them up and, and everything. So, people, get your families together and get the people to the show because you're running. As a matter of fact, I would say... You have a month before the shit starts to hit the fan because I was at the bank today, and I'm going to talk to you guys later about what the bank told me. Um, I was 30 minutes over there, and the banker told me some pretty shocking stuff. She was very sad when she told me, and I'm going to tell you what's really in store for you probably come January. So with that, I'm going to hand the mic over to Southern so he can start going into um, Southern. I want you to get to like the main point of this estate 
what it is and how it's in the statutes on how they're going to divvy up your estate when you die. And with that, I hand him the floor. He is the host. He is the creator of Legal Deception. I uh, now uh, put you with Southern Command. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, question, how many people we got out here? You all? Hello? I hear you. How many people we got out here? Hello? Hold on, let me check. All right. Hold on. Is there any way you can get this law of theirs uh, out there on the uh, chat board? No, because you have to have a link. And right now, I cannot be on the computer and talking on the show and... Um, okay. My computer is like running like molasses. I don't know why. Maybe they're trying to stop the talk to you. I don't know. But keep going. Okay. Listen, I'm going to give you, grab a pen, grab a piece of paper. I'm going to give you Florida statutes. You need to look this up in your state laws. Okay? You will find this uh, in Florida, on the Florida statutes title. Uh Estates and trust. Okay? Like I said, grab a pen, grab a piece of paper. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here. All right? You need to look this up. I will be posting this. This is not, not uh, a document, per se. It is just a, a note that I did many, many years ago. When I say many, I thought we're going back in the 90s. Okay, I, I've got a little bit of jump start on most of these people out here uh, with this. And, uh, while you're getting your pencil piece of paper, all right, to take these notes down, these statutes, so you can look them up, all right, or I will post this first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, I wasn't aware we were going to have a show tonight until just a little while ago. One thing you need to notice, ladies and gentlemen, is Donald Trump is talking about immigration. Listen carefully to what the man is saying. He said it several times about criminal aliens, illegal aliens. And he keeps saying the same thing. The police know, listen carefully, the police know who the criminal aliens are. Now, given that, I'm going to tell you, boys and girls, a secret. I found this out because at one time I worked on a building here in Briar County that is now ICE, Immigration's Custom Enforcement. A police officer cannot arrest an illegal alien. He must call immigration. When I say illegal alien, listen carefully to what I'm saying. Illegal alien. As in a Mexican that's here without papers, he must call ICE Immigration Custom Enforcement. So when he's telling you, all right, that the police know who, who the criminal aliens are, you better be listening because he ain't talking about the Mexicans. He's talking about you. All right? Because we never changed our status between 18 and 21. We're using that all capital illegal name, and that name, all right, is under the laws of war, and it's a criminal, right? So be, be very mindful of that. 
I've been watching this go down on, on, on his debates and stuff and his speeches, and he's mentioned it many times. Okay, we're going to get into something tonight about Ayers. I'm surprised that he even said the things. You know, I am shocked that the, this man is telling you guys the truth, and this time nobody's listening to him. You know how all the elections people make false promises? They um, lie through their teeth to get into the White House. Yeah. This time, he is saying some mean, and what people are saying, he's mean and nasty. That guy's telling the people the truth, and you know what? They don't believe it now because they've been lied to for so long that, um, that they don't believe that story that he's telling, and it's the truth. Yeah, that's it. You got that correct. This man is putting out some information, and you, you need to be paying attention. You need to be, because I'm telling you, uh, right now, uh, a lot of the stuff this man is saying, we are exposing on legal deception, redemption and equity, all right? Almost like he's been listening to our shows. (laughs) Well, you know what's so scary is I'm telling people to listen to him, and people are getting mad at me saying, oh, you're just... Wanting to vote, I said no. This man might even tell you how to cross over to the other side to your estate and how to well, triple that estate. He's just short of it already. I've been watching him because when you have your own children who they think you're a nut job trying to tell them the same thing, and now they said they're hearing Trump say this, and um, I don't know what he said the other day, but my daughter said he had said something, and Obama was pissed off. I don't know well, what he said, but he was mad as hell. She said the president said, I, I can't, I think he said that the election is rigged. I don't know what he said, but it got the well, president mad. If, if you understand the, the, the 12th Amendment to the Constitution, we don't elect a president. This is mm-hmm. called a populist vote. Yep. Okay. The Electoral College, uh, somebody out there, uh, uh, I saw it this morning. I didn't repost it because I was on dealing with something. Uh, David Johnson posted something about that this morning. Who were the members of the Electoral College? And I'm telling you guys, uh, you need you need to go to Wikipedia because it listed all of them right there. I mean, all of them. All right, who they were and everything else. And some of the some of the stuff was. Uh, the parties that these people belong to was unbelievable. I'll have to find it tomorrow. Because it was on David Johnson's post. I was like, wow, damn, he found this? Okay. I don't find everything, people, but I, I do search. Now, we're going to get into this. I hope you got a pencil piece of paper. First, we're going to do, go to uh, Florida, it's all Florida statutes. All right, 731.201, general definition. You want to go down, look up two, beneficiary. Beneficiary means heir at law in an intestate estate. And devisee in an intestated estate. The term beneficiary does not apply to an heir at law or devisee after the person's interest in the estate has been satisfied. Listen carefully. In the case of a devisee, 
to an existing trust or trustee or to a trust or trustee described by will, the trustee is the beneficiary of the estate. Now, we know that can't happen. Except as otherwise provided by this subsection, the beneficiary of the trust is not a beneficiary of the estate of which that trust or the trustee, I, my computer's doing something crazy here. All right, trustee of that estate, of that trust, is a beneficiary. Okay? You need to go in and read all this. However, if the trustee is, is also a personal representative of the estate, each qualified beneficiary of the estate is defined in Section uh, 736.0103.14 shall be regarded as a beneficiary of the estate. Uh, hold on. Father, did you not just say, did you just say that the beneficiary of the trust is not the beneficiary of the estate? The beneficiary of the trust is not a beneficiary of the estate okay. of which the trust or the trustee of that trust is a beneficiary. You heard that That's now, the, right? So if you're a beneficiary of a trust, you're not the beneficiary of the estate. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to go deeper into that, too, because that's the first time the that I've separation. Here's the catch. The trustee is a beneficiary of the estate. Okay? Qualified beneficiary means a living beneficiary who on the date the beneficiary qualifications is determined. All right? is a distributee or permissible distributee of the trust income or principal. Would be a distributee or possible distributee of trust income or principal if the interest of the distributees described in paragraph A terminated on the same date without cause causing the trust to terminate or would be a distributee or di- a possible distributee of trust income or principal if the trust terminated in accordance with the items or the terms on that date. Like I said, this is Florida Statute 731.201. You need to look this up in your stuff, in your state. We're going to jump over to 736.1.0103. Broader statute 736.0103 for beneficiary. All right. Southern. Yes, and the key word of that paragraph was it said living beneficiary, okay? You're dead, so mm-hmm. remember what it said there. It made a key living beneficiary. Oh, it gets better. You forgot I wrote this. <laughs> okay, hold on. It gets better. Yeah, I want to point out the keys to the people so they can get it. Well, I'm going to point out a key in a minute. It's going to really rock the world. (laughs) (laughs) Beneficiary. This is 736.01034. Beneficiary means a person who has has a present or future beneficial interest in a trust, vested or contingent, or who holds the power to appoint over trust property in a capacity 
other than that of trustee. An interest as a possibility of appointee of the power of appointment held by a person in the capacity other than that of trustee. It is not the beneficial interest for purpose of this subsection. Now, listen carefully. Upon the irrevocable exercise of a power... Why is this doing this? Oh, I know why it's doing it. Upon the irrevocable exercise of a appointment, the interest of a person in whose favor the appointment is made shall be considered a present and future beneficiary interest in a trust in the same manner as if the interest had been included in the trust instrument. Okay? Duty to administer trust. This is 736-0801. Duty to administer trust. Upon acceptance of a trustee, the trust shall administer the administer. The trustee shall administer the trust in good faith and in accordance with the terms of and purpose and interest of the beneficiaries and in accordance with this code. Listen very carefully. In accordance with this code. All right? Here's where I'm going to start rocking some worlds. 736. I mean, 731. All right? Florida Statute 731. Child includes a person entitled to take under this code by intestate succession from the parent whose relationship is involved and excludes any person who is only a stepchild, a foster child, a grandchild, or a more remote descendant. That is intestate succession. Does anybody know what that means? Hello? That you died without a last will and testament. That means you take it by force, by force, by force of law. That means you don't need a will. You are the heir to the estate. You automatically step forward in, into all right, into the shoes of your of your father. You take but that I think that's your... only if you're living, or they claimed you, because I have a case where they were re- the grandchild was rejected, even grandchild. though uh, grandchild. Right, but but the the living person was um, a relative, like a grandma, and she was passing a house on. And you know what they said? She wasn't a qualified heir. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know that because I told you about my daughter, how they said that that wasn't really her dad, even though we were married. Yeah. So that's why living is so important. All right. Now, same section, 731.201, number 14. The definitions. We're leading up to some. It's state means the property of a descendant, decedent, that is subject to administration. Think about the word administration, people. 20, 731.201, 20, heir or heir at law, means 
Those persons, including the surviving spouse, who are entitled under the statutes of intestate succession to the property of a decedent. Notice we're not seeing wills here, people. Okay? Incapacitated. This is 21, same section. We're going to go through these. Incapacitated means a judicial determination that a person's lack of capacity to manage at least some of that person's property or to meet the least, at least some of that person's essential health or safety requirements. Right? A minor shall be treated as being incapacitated. Think about what I just said. A minor. Minor means a person under the age of 18. This is 25 of the same section. Right? Of the age of disability, whose disabilities have not been removed by, by marriage or otherwise. Now, let me clarify something here about marriage, okay? Uh, I'm going to look something up. I thought for, I had downloaded that thing. I've been looking through my hard drive, going crazy for it. <clears throat> but there is a, a thing out there about marriage. Um, well, and here's I, my question. Why are they using the word spouse? Why use what? The word spouse, they don't say your wife. That, I can't. That I like, can't, if that's going to be the case, then the gay rights movement has just won their case to become heirs of their spouse's estate because of the fact that they're not saying wife or husband. Did you notice that? Well, you need to definitely look up the definition of the word spouse. Well, I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to go in there because remember the last time we did that, somebody called you and asked if they could use our case for their gay rights movement. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, well I, that night was a shocker. I mean, I get a phone call and somebody goes, uh, can, can, can you come on this call? And we're talking and I tell them, nobody told me there was that many people on the call. I mean, I didn't know. Oh, well. Okay. Now, like I said, property means both real and personal property or any interest in it and anything that may be subject to ownership. All right? That includes rights, people. Think about that. Property can be rights. Okay? 33, protected homesteads means the property described in... In 4A1, Article uh, Article 10 of the Constitution, of, of which, at the death of the owner, the exemption incur in, in uh, the exemption inures to the owner's surviving spouse or heirs. All right, and it shows in Constitution for the purpose of the code, real property owned in tenancy by the entities or in joint tenancy where the rights of survivorship are not protected homesteads. I don't hear nobody saying that about that. For the purpose of the code, real property owned in tenancy by the entities, entities or in joint tenancy, tenancy with rights of survivorship are not protected homesteads. 
that's why that's why when a wife dies, like in one of my friends' case, the bank right now is trying to steal the house, and now the house is paid off, and the wife died. They had three hundred thousand dollar insurance policy. The state of Florida stole the $300,000 insurance policy. They waited three years after her death. And um, we fought them for like about two years. We got the house. They stayed quiet for three years and then sent another lawyer in to steal his house, got the foreclosure. For I'm telling you, a house that's paid off. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what he had to do? He had to go into bankruptcy. For a house that's paid off, so that's why it's saying that rights of um, survivorship does not give you the right to um, that real property. Well, wait a minute. Let me let me explain something to you on that. All right, you guys never pay off the house. We never pay off. That's the right. House. That's just true. We never pay it off. We never pay it off. Let me mm-hmm. tell you, had you were paid off that house, they would have given you back the mortgage and the promissory note. Okay. So if you do not, if you if that promissory note, the original red ink, is still floating around out there, all right, that's like an IOU, okay? Yeah. If you don't get the IOU back when you pay off the debt, that person's still holding a legal document. And a lot of people don't realize this. You're still at, somebody out there is holding a legal document that says they have a security interest in that house. You owe that person money. Now, it, let, let's take an example here. I... Took a, um, I give uh, Mr. Joe over here a mortgage, okay? He signed a promissory note. I turn around, I gave She-Wolf here, all right, the promissory note, sold it to her, okay? Now, he pays me off. Now, there's a problem. Who owns a promissory note? She-Wolf. See the problem yet? So now, She-Wolf down the road, she can go after that house. Why? Yeah, and not to mention, I remember in my foreclosure, I asked for the promissory note. Remember the bank wouldn't give it back? No, they're not going to give it back. And Southern can be proof that after the foreclosure, they wouldn't, I asked for the promissory note that they foreclosed on me and, and and I told them, oh, it says here, listen to what they say in the court case, it's foreclosure, okay? That means they opened a, a complaint against you, and the judge is going to give you the summary judgment for a closure, and whatever he condemns you with is what you're going to be condemned with. And I said, Mm-mm, I'm going to prove to the people that that's not true. It's never over. Even though it's foreclosure and it's settled, I still got my injunction. I still threw them off the land for six months. And Southern knows, you know, because he was helping me um, – write certain words into the case, and it got reopened, didn't it, Southern? <laughs> yeah. There's magic words out there, people. Yeah. But, but let me tell you something. All right, here's the problem with, with, with what's going on with his, with his homes. Uh, if I write, she will a a promissory note, an IOU, I give it to she will, all right? Is she wolf in the black or the red? She's in the red. If it's a thousand dollar promissory note, she holds a piece of paper that's worth a thousand dollars, right? Hello. 
Yeah, I'm thinking that they continue selling it, like, say it's for 30 years, right? Yeah, they I don't. believe that they keep selling it for 30 years, making over and over. Because remember, Form 56 says, no, the claims will be settled after your death. And that's what he's reading to you, the settlement. Huh? But anyhow, now, think about this. Why would she Wolf want to give me back a document that if she holds on to it, she can use as collateral? Think about it. She has a $1,000 piece of paper there that she can say, I've got collateral here. It's that simple, people. Anybody that, anybody that knows anything about basil, basil, basil one, basil two, basil three. Basil three, these banks have okay. to have so much collateral. How'd they get the collateral? It's for your homes. They're keeping the promissory notes. You never get them things back. Never. You're never going to get the mortgage back. And there's a problem. That is all collateral. That is assets to their bank. In their world, that promissory note, that IOU, is a is an asset to their bank. All right. Everybody follow that, I hope. It's an I it's a promissory note. It's Just like the TPR when somebody terminates your parental rights, right? You know how long you know how long that case is good for? Hundred and something years. Ninety nine years. <laughs> Imagine how much that, that courthouse is making selling that case over and over until you put it into your trust. You stop them dead in their tracks because now you're going to start collecting the collateral on it. Okay. We're going to go to Sparta Statute 731.103. Title is Evidence as to Death or Status. In proceedings under this code and under Chapter 736, the following additional rules related to determination of death and status are acceptable. An authorized copy of the death certificate issued by, a, by an official or agency of the place, that's what it says, or agency, where the death reportedly occurred is prima facie proof of the fact, date, place, date, time, death, uh, of the, and the identity of the decedent. A copy of any record or report of a governmental agency, domestic or foreign, that is that a person is alive, missing, detained, or from the facts related, presumed dead, is prima facie evidence of the statutes and of the date circumstances, I places disclosed by the record or report. Now I'm going to read that again because apparently I want to read this again. This is number two. This is 731.102. A copy of any record or report of a governmental agency, domestic or foreign, that a person is alive, missing, detained, or from the facts related, presumed dead, is presumed dead, is prima facie evidence of the statute and of the date, circumstances, and place. Notice it says missing, detained, and alive. Okay? This is three. 
a person who is absent from the place of his or his or her last known domicile for a continuous period of five years and whose absence is not satisfactorily explained after diligent search and inquiry is presumed to be dead. The person's death is presumed to have occurred at the end of the period, of the period unless there is evidence establishing the death occurred earlier. Now, how many of you, when you took little Johnny and little Mary home from the hospital, right, put little Johnny and little Mary, right, and this is him that's having a postal address and domicile in your house? Oops. You might want to think that one over because nobody did it. Uh, well, vital statistics then told me it's all about abandoned property. That's right. It sure is. Mm-hmm. Okay. This section is I'm going to death. Okay. Florida statute. All right. Yes, like I said, this is a uh, this is uh, 731.105, all right? Well, like I said, we're leading up to some in-rim proceedings. Probate proceedings are in-rim proceedings. Now, for those who don't understand, in-rim, in-rim is a thing, okay? Listen carefully. Power about or against the thing. It's in quotation marks. This is 731.105 is a legal term describing the power a court may exercise over property, either real or personal, or the status against a person over whom the court does not have in personam jurisdiction. Listen carefully. We'll read it again. In rent, power about or against the thing is a legal term describing the power a court may exercise over property, either real or personal, or a status, S-P-A-T-U-S, against a person over whom the court does not have in personam jurisdiction. Jurisdiction in rem assumes the property or status right, is the primary object of the action rather than personal li- Liabilities not necessarily associated with a property, right? AKA quasi in rem jurisdiction. Notice it said status. I didn't, I'm not making this up. Uh, we're going to go down here to a cheat. This is 732.107. A cheat. When a person dies leaving a, a state without being survived by a person entitled to a part of it, that part shall be shall it cheat to the state. <clears throat> property that it cheats shall be sold as provided by Florida probate rules and the proceeds paid to the chief financial officer of the state and deposited in the state school funds. Yeah, people, I'm not making this up. All right? At any time, Within 10 years. Southern, on what kind of a box, you said? What? You said it'll be placed where? In the what box? Not a box. The state school funds. 
Oh, state school funds? Okay. For those of you who haven't, who don't, that don't know this, let me clarify something. The state school funds is where they throw everything. It's a giant slush fund account. In Florida, uh, they put everything that you could possibly mention uh, under state school funds. That way, nobody can complain about it because it's going to a good cause. Uh, it cheated property, uh, found property, you name it, it all goes in that state school funds. All right, and uh, it's administered by the Department of Revenue, uh, aka, uh, uh, shoot, what do they call that? Ad Valerian Tax Agency. You'll also find child support listed underneath that for those of you who want to look it up. All right, at any time within 10 years after the payment of the chief's payment to the chief financial officer, a person claiming to be entitled to the proceeds may reopen an administration to assist entitlement into the procedures. No claim. If no claim is timely asserted, the state's right to the proceeds shall become absolute after 10 years. I hope you understand that. If no claim is timely asserted, the state's rights to proceeds shall become absolute. All right, it cheats. The power of the state to acquire title to property for which there is no owner. That's a very interesting definition. Think about it. There is no owner. The most common reason for any cheat takes place is that the individual dies in Ted's state, meaning without a valid will indicating who is to inherit his or her property and without relatives who are legally entitled to inherit. Trick words there, legally entitled to inherit. All right? In the absence of a will, a state legislator a state legislator has the authority to enact an a cheat statute. Okay? Remember, a cheat, the power of a state to acquire title to property, all right, for which there is no owner. All right, uh, here we go. This is where we're headed. One of them. Florida Statute 732.102, adopted persons of persons born out of wedlock. Now, let me explain something to you. We're dealing here with this uh, birth certificate. All right, um, next week, I'm going to have a gentleman on here for a short period of time. He has a birth certificate from the state of Texas, 1946. It states on that birth certificate, legitimate, and has a box somebody typed in yes. All right? Guess who the, guess who the uh, uh, informant was? You will? Hello? Sorry, it was his father. That's right. It was his father. Both, all of his birth certificates are in upper and lower case, people. Upper and lower case. You better think about that. He has a father. And, but I, you know what I'm thinking is that, you thought, you know how it says 1946? <clears throat> yep. I think not all the states were ready yet to implement the abolishing of, um, of uh, their father's rights at that time. 
because I was looking at several Texian birth certificates that were upper lowercase, and I'm going to have to uh, ask these guys again if theirs says that. They're from a later generation, but it said the informant was also the father, and they were an upper lowercase. I'm going to tell you something right now. I have a belief that if the mother is the informant, remember the law that says you follow the mother's bloodline? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. If the, the father acknowledge, acknowledges his children, mm-hmm. all right, all right, um, I forget which movie it was where the father, in the movie, they showed it several times walking out after the birth of the child and presenting the child to the clan. Okay. Guess what, people? Uh, we're supposed to be doing this. Uh, if you, the child has... Like, what I'm wondering, is it supposed to be at the hospital? You know what? I remember the registrar telling um, my daughter that they didn't need the father's signature. They only they didn't even want her signature. Now they want only her initials. And um, she tried to sign with her first name, and she kept saying, no, you have to follow the instructions. It says initials only. But they did not want the father's signature on the paper um, that, they, that the registrar was doing. And um, on my birth certificate, mine was handwritten. And it was in my very first one because I remembered I had it for like 30 years before I lost it. And it was an upper lower case with my mother and father's name on it. Well, I'm, I'm telling you right now that they have done everything, and I told you this when I first met you, to get the fathers out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the fa- if that kid has a father, he's not an orphan, he's not an illegitimate bastard, all right? The state has no right to lay a hand on him. And this is why it's a problem. The women's, and I know I'm going to make a lot of enemies here, the women's rights movement have done, has done so much damage with this here, you don't need the man in your life, or I just take the money. But yeah, okay. Apparently, they, they, they never read the law. Because the father is the natural protector of the family and the child. All right? And they, they, they got everybody fighting in these courtrooms. Now, if you notice, all right, and 99.99% of the time, DCF walks in their house, that is a single mother. Am I right or wrong? Hello? Hello? Did I get cut off here? I'm still here. I don't know where everyone else went. Hello? I'm here, too. I don't hear anybody else. You hear me now? Yes. Okay. Who's this? Hello? Hello? Okay. Now, I know a lot of, like I said, a lot of mothers out here are going to get mad. But that, that's the way it is. You can go back, you can read your Bible, whatever you want. The fathers were all, were, were, all the bloodline was passed down to the fathers. Now, there was an interesting video I, I, a while back. Uh, I didn't get a chance to post it. 
but the what the man was saying in the video is that when the when the the egg is fertilized, what the sperm gives the egg is the blood. Now, if this is true, then that's why they're following the bloodline of the father. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You need to get, I don't have the actual uh, uh, thing right here in front of me. I'll have to look it up for you. But you need to understand that if it, there's no father, it follows the mother's bloodline. Okay. Yeah, and it Not said that also in that probate that I was reading, it said that um, if there was yeah. no father, it was only allowed to inherit from the mother. That's it. That's why I'm going to read oh, part of it. and it didn't say um, all generations either. It just said you're going to inherit from the homestead and allowances. But if you, yes. it said if your father claimed you, you were entitled to everything at all levels and all degrees, and that's why I'm telling you guys, you dads out there, you better get your butt to those hospitals and correct them before it's too late because, um, uh, as I said yesterday on my other uh, call, they're destroying the records in Florida in 14 days now, now that they have the computer system up. Uh, They said that um, once they capture whatever they needed, she even said it. Once we capture all the data, we can destroy it in 14 days once we hand it over to the state. That means they're getting paid faster, and I'm going to tell you another reason why they're doing it. Because now the state, if you don't capture, that you don't claim that child as the legitimate heir to your estate, um, your child loses everything, and you will know. There's little things that happen in your life that you don't explain, but... Now it's going to say you have to, it's mandatory that you get those vaccines. And if dad I'm says not. no, they're like, shut up. We don't care what you say. You're going to do it or else. That's one, that's one way to show you that you don't, you've lost control of the child. The second thing that's going to happen is something new that's required by the state of Florida. Because I, I dealt 30 years with them, so I know uh, the little tricks. Now they require that by the age, um, you know, when your baby is six weeks old, they have to, they want the children in daycare. They don't want grandparents taking care of the children. They don't want um, relatives. You know why? Because, see, you've lost the power. They, what they do is they have the child care agencies have a license to take care of children. So now... They're making money from your estate paying the child care agencies. What they're doing is creating lucrative ways to go into your estate and start paying themselves now on a future, on a future um, payment. They're, you know, like because they've taken that child and now they destroy the records in 14 days, dad didn't come in and claim the child or whatever then now you'll know because now they're going to say it's mandated that the child do this. It's mandated that you bring the shot records. Mandated that the child be put into daycare. I know a man who was married to his wife. He was watching the baby, married, okay? The baby fell off the bed and hurt his head. And they ordered him within 24 hours to move out of his wife's house. And he was the sole breadwinner. She had just had the baby. And when she came home, 
um, you know, they gave her the baby because, you know, she was working uh, after the six weeks. He was, he was um, a contract worker, a plumber. He told me that the state, the DCF, ordered him to leave the house in 24 hours. Otherwise, they weren't going to give mom back the baby and left her. With, he was making more money than her. She was working part-time. She couldn't make it. So you know what they did? They told her, mandated, you have to put the baby in daycare. She said, I don't want to because I'm breastfeeding. I'm, I'm breastfeeding the baby, and I, and I have to do the milk. And No, you're going to put the baby in daycare. Otherwise, we're going to take the child away from you. So when okay. you start hearing them say that, that means that the time is now even shortened uh, way before the five years. Well, let me, let me say something here, okay? First off the bat, because of what I'm about to read you is a water statute, it is in the Immigration Act. It is in every state statute. What they did, okay, is they created a, a certificate of live birth. And at a certain point in time, all right, they used to, up until a, um, a certain point in time, they had legitimate, illegitimate, and foundling. All right, those of you who think you know what the safe haven law is, the safe haven law is about a foundling child. Understand this. All right? They have something in most states called the punitive father registry. The punitive father registry is not a registry of fathers. It is a registry of alleged fathers. And that word alleged means a lot. They do not want fathers in this kid's lives. They don't want it. Because A, that takes the power from the state, okay? It does. They can't claim that kid's an orphan if it's got a father. All right? Is that and that's why um, Pastor Penn was telling you guys to go look at his marriage license. They gave him an orphan marriage license, okay? Yeah. Orphan. It said He, he said if you go look at the bottom of the um, marriage license, it said from the orphan court. That means that they're declaring him a foundling child. Well, it, I'm going to tell you something. I, it's my belief, and I've said this before. I've read their, their books. I've read their manuals. What they did at a certain point in time to keep, to, to keep the embarrassment of foundling children and uh, illegitimate, the stigma of illegitimate children off of people, all right, they removed that from the, from the certificates of live birth. So how do we know who is and is not legitimate? We don't. All right? We literally don't anymore. Now, there was a thing I read here a while back. Like I said, I'm going to try to find it again on marriages. How do you determine if a marriage, okay, is legal. All right. Anybody want to answer that one? Legal if you oh. have a license. No. Uh-uh. Let me tell you something. That's, I, like I said, i got to find it again. All right. I thought license was there. permission to do something that you're not authorized to do, which becomes, it becomes a legal marriage but not a lawful marriage. 
Well, it's license permission to do something is illegal. But that thing stated, like I said, I was in a situation where I couldn't save it at a moment. Mm-hmm. All right. It said it needed that you had to have witnesses to the marriage celebration. Think about you mean what when I they're consummating that. the marriage? <laughs> like when the king and queen go to bed, they had all those people inside the bedroom? Have you ever seen uh, Shaka Zulu? Or uh, uh, they did it out in public? Under a blanket? No. Better go back and watch it, people. Yeah. So you got to have yeah. witnesses that the marriage was consummated. Otherwise, it's a bastard child. Otherwise, it's not a lawful marriage. Oh, and you know that, too, that once you leave the state, it's not a lawful marriage anymore, either. Yeah. No, license don't... Yeah, yeah, I'm tired of telling people. You're going to know because remember how they were roaring and ripping about the gay marriage laws? Okay, and then remember those those senators started saying, well, remember the senators? They started saying, oh, we're going to keep up with that crap and we're going to let that happen. Remember they said we're going to just stop marriages altogether and not require, like they're not going to perform heterosexual marriages either because see, the people started putting two and two together when they were getting married in one state and they'd go back home and that state would say, ah, you're not married over here, okay? Uh, what happened? I got called uh, call in a call one night because somebody uh, sent my license document to some people. And he said, explain your license talk to these people. So uh, I'm sitting there talking to a couple of people. I didn't know there was, according to him, about 25,000 <laughs> people on that call. And what kind of people were they, Southern? Well, they said they said they were uh, the Southern, uh, not Southern, but probably lost in the American you went, you went and opened up a can of worms over there with the game. <laughs> Trust me, when, when, that, when I told that lady that licenses don't cross the state line, uh, this one lady that was running the call said, let me get this straight. She said, if I get married in Florida, I go to California, that's a different jurisdiction. And she said she was a lawyer. I get divorced in California, I go back to marry, get, and get married back in Florida. I said, you're a bigamist. And she went, oh, my God. Yeah. When you, call, when you cross these, these jurisdictions, people, you're entering into new jurisdictions. Now, once, once you enter into a new jurisdiction, what you had in the old jurisdiction uh, doesn't apply anymore. It never, and people never notice that if you go, if you have a fishing license in one state and you go to another state, you got to get a new fishing license? What, did you forget how to fish? <laughs> it's, a, it's the same or thing with marriage. Or a bar license. you got to have a bar license in every state. Yeah, um, people say people. they don't have a license, but they have to be a part of the association that was created. And I have a friend who was fighting this case in um, Arkansas. And then he writes to me, he says, gosh, dog it. And I said, what? He goes, this lady's got a case laying across three states. And I said, okay. He says, do you know that I have to get a license from each one? He goes, that's $1,500 per state. I was like, what? He goes, yeah. My license, this is a lawyer, okay? 
Mm-hmm. He didn't even know that he had to have a license across every state line that he was going to cross. Otherwise, he couldn't represent her because it was a, it was a huge federal case. But all of the stuff that's being done to you, remember, it's being done by the state. So he wasn't going to be able to pull up documents from different courthouses that were done, you know, wrongfully done to her. And let me tell you, when you got a mess lying across four or five states, it took him four years. But um, I'm going to tell you that the amount that was awarded which they're trying to appeal it right now, uh, was in the millions. And they did and let me tell you something. When they owe you, they're not gonna tell you. They will deny it to you till their till their face turns blue, but when they owe you, the courts admitted to her that she was dead. Remember Southern? You know who I'm talking about, that lady I was telling you about? about the DCF case, and she was crying, and she told me, I can't believe this, what they've done to me. And I said, what is it? She said, they said I'm dead. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, that's all they did? I said, no, I know that. She goes, why am, Why would you know that? I said, because you're dead. She goes, but I'm not dead. I'm right here. See, they're not going to just outright tell you that you're dead, people, until they owe you like $15 million, then they're going to tell you you're dead. You don't even exist. Well, actually, it's it's not a death. It's a civil death. Well, you know, it's a civil death. And and, um, until, yeah. and you know what? They did the same thing to her. They gave her the box of files, and she had to put them in order. And she had an attorney because it was one of my um, – it was a friend of mine, you know, when I was doing uh, Abuse Freedom United. I met a patent lawyer. And um, he had to move out of the United States because as soon as he got on that case to defend her, um, let me tell you how ugly the state will get. They tried to take his kids away and say that he committed um, uh, uh, incest with them and walked into his house, stole his computer. Thank God that their relative worked at the White House. Otherwise, he would have been doomed, okay? But he did leave the country, and he had to get another residence and then come back and forth to do the case. But I'll tell you what, for a Jewish lawyer, he may be one in a million that I picked out of, I don't know, oh, he was a godson. He didn't give up on the case. They won, and the state, you know, like, they, it's a federal case because, you know, there's too many states uh, state lines, but um, the, it, it was a millions. I'm not talking about peanuts here. If you know what you're going after, which is what we were talking about in redemption and equity, and I tell you that there is a way, we just can't really talk too much about it on an open radio show, or you'll be like Donald Trump, you'll have like a mob out there waiting to beat your butt. Um, that person proved it to me. That's why I know that there is a way. It's the case I can't even talk about it, but they even took her and threw her into prison. She served her three-year sentence. When she left, you know what they did? They put a warrant out for her arrest as a fugitive, saying that she escaped the prison. 
I'm talking about they will do so many bad things to you, but, I, you know, oh, they drugged her. Somebody came in her house and drugged her and made sure she would know about, like, to scare her from doing the case, left a beer can on her end table. Um, how about, let me tell you how dangerous these people can get. They sent a man to fall in love with her, and he was one of theirs. He betrayed her, and I was like, don't give up. Just don't give up. Oh, drugged her dog. Listen, the state doesn't like to lose. Well, it's not the state, okay? If you if you understand what's going on in these states. The state is protecting them, Southern. They're the agencies that work for the state. And remember, they get Title IV funding, Title VI. They get all these entitlements and block grants. The state is going to protect them because that's what Pam Bondi said. I work for the corporation. Yeah. And then did a 360 and tried to lie and said, I work for everybody. You're a damn liar. You don't work for us. Well, when the, the, the problem that you got here with these corporations, all right, is that you're fighting the Bar Association in your states. Everybody wants to blame the United States government for everything, okay? And um, I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I, that gets me a little mad because every time I turn around, who's getting nailed? It's, I don't ever see a U.S. Marshal come out here, pull somebody over side the road, walk up to you with an M16 in his hand, say, driver's license, vehicle registration, proof of address. I mean... Very, very seldom do you see real uh, U.S. Marshals out of Washington, D.C. out here doing anything. Most of the time, these people are state. Okay? My question would be this, though. You know when they're working in the agencies, right? Uh Uh-huh. I'm wondering, are they allowed to have a bar license and work within the agency? But I think they can, and I'm going to tell you guys something. The yeah, ones on the top, like the commission, Southern Italy, they have like a uniform law commission that writes the laws. Um, they have these think tanks. I think they're all lawyers. Mm-hmm. All of them. That You just don't know that they're lawyers. Um, and what they do is they um, make sure uh, that these agencies are never touched because they are writing their own laws for the agency uh, created right. by these uniform law commissions so that they become untouchable. I'll tell you and the people secret. think it's the state, but it's not really the state of Florida. Let's just use that as an example. It's not the state of Florida that you're supposed to go after. You have to go after the agency that is attacking you because the agency is under the state, like when I had asked them the other day for their license as state agencies that work for them, she was like, oh, we don't need a license. We're the state. I said, you're the state, but you're on Dun & Bradstreet using another title. Under right. um, And Dun & Bradstreet isn't the United States, ma'am. I said, that's the United Kingdom over there. And she shut wow. up then. I said, you're using two titles under, um, they're using like a bulletproof vest. That's what they're using. Well, let me tell you something. There was in Florida at one time. It's it's. it's I don't know what's going on right now. 
137 child support agencies, offices. Years ago, we did some research into this, into this stuff. Why the hell in one county do you got, you know, three of these things? Okay? Guess what we found out? They were all owned, private-owned corporations, doing business on the Department of Revenue, at Valerian Tax Agency, yes. by contracted out as child support. And guess what? They were all ran by lawyers. The people that were collecting your child support on um, Florida, I don't know about all the other states, but I didn't do the other states. We did Florida. They were all private-owned businesses by lawyers. Or their wife, and if you're a judge, or their family. Yep. Now, okay, let's get back to this thing. Now, I want you all to understand something. This is Florida Statute 732.102, Adopted Persons and Persons Born Out of Wedlock. Now, the reason I'm bringing this in is because you've got to understand what these, what they did. In order to take away your rights under the Constitution, uh, in order to take away your property, they had to turn you into something that the states control. The courts control. My mistake. Okay? Courts control children. All right? And they control people of unsound minds, lunatics, imbeciles. <clears throat> all right? So a, a child born out of wedlock, okay, or an abandoned, child, all right, would automatically become a ward of the state. This is why I said this before, I'll say it again, we were all abandoned at birth, mommy didn't know it, daddy didn't know it, and they thought they took your little infant home. But if you read the statutes in your state, all right, you will find out that they only talk about custody. You need to look up the word custody in Bouvier's dictionary, all right? It has nothing to do with what you think. Anybody who says they want custody of their child, okay, you better custody, look up that doesn't one. Custody mean, doesn't custody mean detained? Yes, in a jail cell, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know right. I threw that in that, that DCF case, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we're two evil people, but so we work good together. Number okay, one. But you know what? That's purpose. what they get. For the purpose of intestate succession, this is what they're saying now, all right, by or from an adopted person. The adopted person is the descendant of the adopted parent and is one of the natural kindred of all members of the adopted parent's family, all right, and is not a descendant of his or her natural parents, nor is he or she one of the kindred of any member of the natural parent's family or any prior adoptive parent family except that the adoption all right, adoption of a child by the spouse of a natural parent has no effect on the relationship between the child and the natural parent all right, or the natural parent's family. This is what they just said. Adoption of a child by a spouse of a natural parent has no effect on the relationship between the child and the natural parent or the natural parent's family. Adoption of a child by a natural parent's spouse who married the natural parent after the death of the other natural parent 
has no effect all right, on the natural on the relationship between the child and the and the family of the deceased natural natural parent. All right. Wait a minute. Adopt. What did you call it, Southern? The what? The what's natural parent? Deceased natural parent. They're talking about adoption after death. Okay. Okay. All right. Adoption of a child by close relatives. Uh, as defined as uh, 63.172 to has no effect on the relationship between the child and the families of the deceased natural parent. Notice they keep wanting to tell you that you have no father. For the purpose of intestate succession, in cases not covered in Sections 1, a person born out of wedlock, is the descendant of his or her mother, all right, and is one of the natural kindred of all members of the mother's family. The person is also a descendant of his or her father and is one of the natural kindred of all members of the father's family if, ready for this? A, the natural parents participated in a marriage ceremony. Before or after the birth of the ch- of the person born out of wedlock, <laughs> even Wait, though he attempted marriage, are you telling me born. that someone has to watch them having sexual intercourse? I'm not going to go there. All right. Even though the attempted marriage is void, what it says. <laughs> The this, this, this people. I'm not lying to you. Either. I put this. You out just said it, you just said attempted marriage. That means if nobody watched them having intercourse. Yep. It's not legitimate. <laughs> right. This Florida statute seven thirty two dot one hundred two. Okay. I'm not making. I wish God I made this stuff up, but I didn't. I right, B. The paternity of the father is established by an adjudication before or after the death of the father. Chapter 95 shall not apply in determining heirs or in a probate proceedings under this paragraph. Uh, 95, I believe, is uh, homestead exemption. All right. The paternity of the father is acknowledged in writing by the father. So there's your three ways. All right. Of you bring uh, of you acknowledging oh, your children shit. right there. You know what I just realized? What's that? Oh my God! You just said homestead exemption. Chapter you know what ninety-five. That, means? that you Chapter don't have rights to any land property, so they lower the taxes down because it said in the other probate law that I was reading for myself that if the father does do the affidavit as well. It says that you are entitled to homestead rights, not an exemption. How about this, you guys? You know when you're doing your taxes and they tell you um, you get an exemption for your children? They're exempting you because they're saying you don't have no children, so you get credit for it because they're getting all the funds for the children. 
Next week, I'll pull up the other probate law that tells you that you get full homestead rights if the father claims the child and they'll treat it as a, a valid marriage, right? But you just said exemption if um, if um, they're not married. That To exempt means that they're cut off. You're, that means you're cut off to rights of the land if the mother's not married. Mm -hmm. Very interesting stuff, isn't it, people? Okay. So now we're going to go down here, 733.707. Order of payment and expenses and obligations. All right. The person representing, the personal representative shall pay the expenses of the administration and obligations of the deceased state as follows. Ready? Number one. Class one, cost expenses of administration and comp compensation of personnel, representatives, and then their attorney's fees and attorneys awarded under 733.106. Notice the attorneys get their money first. This is class two. Peaceful funeral and interment and grave marker expenses whether paid by the guardian or personal representative or any person not to exceed uh, um, arrogant of $6,000. I don't know what a, a funeral costs today. Class three, debt and taxes. The preference under federal law claims pursuant to SS 409.9101 and 14.28 and claims in favor of the state for unpaid court costs, fees, and fines. When you die, they settle your estates, people. Mm -hmm. There it is. You yeah, but you know, you just, you just cracked another code there, my buddy, with that homestead huh? exemption. You just, you just cracked something there because, look, that's why when these people, you know when they're married, right, you get a marriage, um, you know how they give you credit for the children that you have? Mm -hmm. and, and what do they call it on the tax return? Oh, we're going to give you an exemption for each um, child because they're exempting them as your children and because it's the state's property who, who they're going to profit from in the future so they're paying you, you know, they'll give you a child a child credit, right? And it'll say how many children. And they say, oh, we only give you a maximum exemption. Or for two. I think you get can only get it for two children, right? And not really for the rest. But that what it means is they won't charge you extra taxation for the rest of the children. But when you're exempting the children, you know, I would ask. Like when you guys go to H&R Block or um, Jackson Hewitt, say, well, what does that mean when I'm getting an exemption? And then they're going to say, well, you're getting a credit. Say, well, why are you exempting the children? To exempt means to say that you cut them off as my children. You're getting a homestead exemption? That means that as a tenant, you don't have entitlement to the land so they're going to charge you less for taxes. That means that you're you're never going to be a property owner, and that's why they give you homestead exemption. 
and and we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna show you that next week with the rule of law that they're using that if your father claims you, you become legitimate heir, and then it says you're entitled to land uh, land um, it says homesteading. That means you wouldn't have had to pay taxes because you would be treated as a landowner. Okay. That's good to know. I mean, I'm glad that you we read we went over this again because I haven't, you know, been able to put some of these words together and I guess revisiting this stuff will help me to um really push forward now with what we're looking for on the banking side, people. This is like really important. Well, it, uh, listen, I, people don't realize some under a state of war, which is what we are. Okay, these people pulled a great trick. There's only uh, two ways that your debts can be settled. If you read the laws of war, A, war has got to end. That's when they settle all the debts. Okay, the other way is you got to die. Now, I didn't write it, <laughs> but I'm telling, you, I, I'm telling you, it's in the laws of war. You can you can pull up uh, uh I think it's in uh, 1949 Geneva Convention four I think it's in the Geneva Convention it's in several of the Geneva Conventions yeah that uh, basically any money you make is held in hell for you and it's settled when you when you leave the prison camp or you die <clears throat> now fast forward. Reasonable necessary medical and hospital expenses for the last 60 days of the last illness of the decedent, including compensation for persons attending the decedent. Class 5, All right, family allowance. Class 6, which is F, arrearages of court-ordered child support. Class 7. Debts acquired after death by continuation of the decedent business in accordance with 733.612.612.22, but only to the extent of the assets of that business. All right? Eight, all other claims, including those found on judgments or decrees, rendered against the decedent during the decedent's lifetime, all right, and any excess over the sums allowed in paragraph B and D. Okay. Do they tell you what the sums are or not? No. Well, whatever they are. Well, you know why I'm asking is um, somebody brought this question to me, and I don't know if they're on the show. They just texted me that a minute ago. They said that in the Arizona name change law, it says that when you do your name change, that you agree that you're not going to extinguish the obligations that you had before you did the name change, okay? <laughs> but wait a minute, she didn't get it. And I'm like, well, come to the show right now, and I'll tell you what that means. This is what it means. I'm and even show. though you get the you're there, okay, here's what it means. What it means is that when you do your name change, they want you to agree not to hold them 
uh, like, that you're not going to tell them that they can't get their pay. You know why? Because remember I said when you do a name change, you come back to life and that shuts them out and you become one of the living. So they know, like, um, in cases where people have had their children taken, they were they were paid a large sum of money. Mm-hmm. And they already took that money. They get these grants. So they don't want to lose their money because once you do your name change, they have to close all those cases out. Uh-huh. That's why they're saying that you agree to hold them harmless. Well, yes, you tell them I do. I'm not, because you're not changing your name to a brand new name. You can, but you're not really changing your name to a brand new name. What you're trying to do is bring your name to life by getting your own name and, um, that, and when you do that, now the courts don't have jurisdiction over you. You can still go to court, but now you got to go into like the court of equity in camera before the judge without a robe. Okay. And you go. You get it. So that's why they're saying that you're not going to hold them. Like, say you had your kids taken away, and you go in and you get a name change and you put it back into proper formatting. And you go into equity and you say, you know, you took my children away from me and I want them back. No one's going to be in that courtroom to challenge you. Because remember, when you're alive, the dead can't go to court. So the judge would have to, if he denies you, he would have to give you a reason why he's denying you. But most probable, you're going to get the children back because I just know that you have a... 70% 70% chance of giving your, getting your children back after a TPR because I know someone dear to me that had their children TPR'd from them, and 10 years later they asked me to help them get the children back, and they got them back in um, about close to 60 days later. Her children were all grown up like teenagers, and she got them all back. That's excellent. I was mm-hmm. just... I I was pointing out that in the statement to the court, the word has changed from, um, I understand that this name change, if granted, will not release me from any obligations, but yet the section uh, 12 of the Arizona Revised Statute says person. So, right. They're not talking about you, the woman. See, um, and, the, and you know, like people that have already had the name change, okay. the judge does ask you when, if you, if they call you in, most of the time they're not going to call you in, they're just going to grant it. Or if they don't oh. grant it, they'll give you, they'll tell you why. But mm-hmm. I know someone who the whole entire family went in and did their name change. Yeah. And the judge Ask them, you're not changing your name because you're trying to get out of debt obligations, are you? And they said, oh, no, we're not. We're not doing that because for that reason. He says, very well, I grant you this name. You know, he gave them their name changes um, with no questions asked. You can't can't say uh, yes or no. You know why? Because they're not talking about you. They're talking about that account. The you of the person. Yes, the uh, um, legal person. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So would it help them to write about the Glossa Viperina? No, 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 no. Don't even, t- don't even go there with it. 
You just okay. want to get it, and you just say because it's an improper grammatical format, and it is not a proper name, and you go back and you get it back, and then you get the, you're going to get your decree, okay? When you get your decree, now you go back into the court of equity and do an in-camera and demand that they return your property, which are the children that they just took from you. Oh, they didn't take my children per se, but they may have taken them in persona. Right. If oh, they're not in your custody, what you're trying to do now, you're not taking custody. You're going back in. You're not saying, I'm here to get my custody back. You terminated my parental rights. You're saying, I'm here because you took, you took property from me and you conveyed it to someone else or an agency or a foster. You have to say who it was conveyed to. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, I'm here to claim. I'm filing a claim, a paramount claim for those two. And you, and you can only use a first name now because, remember, you haven't changed their names and you haven't settled their um their uh, estate yet, and you can't do it anyways until you correct your problem. <laughs> okay, I get it. Thank you so much, okay. Alita. All right. That was helpful. Thank you. Okay. We will continue. <laughs> um, you, you need to get into to, to this here. Seven, uh, Florida Statute 733.707. Okay. And read this. All right, because it's got some interesting stuff in it. Hold um, on, I want to find this. Okay. At the pain of the preceding class, is the is, is state is sufficient to pay all of the next? Um, seating class, the creditors in line of the latter class shall be paid uh, in proportion to their respective claims. Any portion of the trust with respect to which the seedings who is a grantor as to as has at the decedent's death the right of re- revocation uh, as defined in paragraph one Either alone or in conjunction with any of the other person, any other person is liable for the expenses of the administration of the obligator obligations of the seed's estate to the extent that the seed is insufficient to pay them as provided. And so, 733, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now, I want to get down here. You know what I was thinking was, you know how we have that court of international settlements? Yeah. What I'm thinking is, you know how they control the world's, um, you know, those estates, right? And Karen was fighting over that, um, those estates with the, you know, court of international settlements. And um, I think one of these guys was saying they were going to take their case to the court of international settlements and um, wrote to them, and they immediately called the United States and told them, you know what, you're going to have to settle with this one. You know why that is? Because 
like I was saying yesterday, what I'm thinking is what they did is, you know, when you're getting the birth certificate, is for the reason being that you can't get a certificate of title if you don't have, if that's not paid for. So somebody granted a hefty sum for your body. And when you figure out what was going on, they didn't want you to know that, you know, that, you know, figure this out. But you couldn't get a birth certificate if you, see, like I was talking about those car titles. They're granted because you paid for the car with your sweat, right? Sweat equity. But now the debt is doubled or whatever, but they give you this title and you think that the car is yours and, and you know, later on you'll find out when you do a title transfer, it says title transferring ownership, but it'll say to you and the state. If you look really careful, like on the Texas, you can download um, title transfer in, in Texas. It, it was saying to me and the state, right? And when I called them, I said, I'm not giving this to you. This is paid for. And the guy didn't want to say anything. And I said, well, you know what? Because I just knew about the name change already. He said, I'm going to do a name change. I'm going to stop you. And then he said, well, yeah, I recommend that before you transfer over those two cars, that you get the name change and then go to the DNB and change um, the titles over to you. But I caught him. First, he tried to act like he didn't know what I was talking about, and I read the paper to him. I said, it says to me and the state of Texas. Why, why are you included in my title transfer? You don't own my car. Uh, but yeah, he didn't yeah. want to talk about the ownership part. But if you're getting a title, which is called, who cares what they call it? It's a birth certificate. And you're getting it. That means somebody paid. Or they went into your, and, and Southern Italia, the Social Security um, manual says that they take something out of your mother's account and something out of your father's account when you're born, and they apportion it to this child account. That well, means it's been paid for. It actually says, this is going to freak you people out, is that when you're born, mm-hmm. the numbers are taken and report it to child support mm-hmm. for collections. <clears throat> That's that. Well, I think the reason for that is because they were paid for by this, I think it's probably from that Court of International Settlements. I think they, they keep all of the accounts of everyone that was born since 1666 when they made that Sestri-Tevi Trust and they know how much is in those accounts, and they'll say, okay, this one had a child. Okay, we, we're going to uh, put an appropriation in here of this amount for this child now. And that's why there has – it's a prepaid account, no doubt, because, I, you know, you can compare it to other things that you buy, and you, get the, you just get the legal title for it. Well, I'm telling you, the birth certificate is a legal title. That's why it has a. That's why your name is written in the same manner that they write Toyota Scion. Your name is in capital letters because you um, <clears throat> something was already paid for, so they're giving your parents uh, the title. But if you hold it and they hold it, and if you don't come back as an adult, 
then what have you done? That's why the vital stat is telling me it doesn't have nothing to do with what you think of. She says it's about abandonment. She said, think about this. She said it boils down to a simple equation. I said, what is it? She said, abandonment of property. And I said, you mean like when your parents abandoned you? I said, they didn't abandon me. They left with me from the hospital. She said, look into it. It's called abandonment of property. And okay. so, you know. Let me throw this in here. Yeah. He's right. When you, when, when you abandon, this is what I've come up with. And a lot of parents aren't going to like it. When you handed that kid over, when you abandoned that kid in the hospital, okay, the state now has to take care of that kid. So what they did, they took mommy and daddy's social security numbers, okay? Now, you think I'm joking with people, the best place to look this up is the D.C. code. Title 7, something other. Uh, I'll look it up tomorrow. I've got an actual copy, and it tells you that they take your, your social security numbers, they put them on a separate document, and send them to child so, to a Title 4D child support agency. Now, what I'm what I think they're doing is under the Immigration Acts, when you were born, they created this certificate of live birth. Now this certificate of live birth is like a manufacturer statement of origin where you came from. Alright? It's your for all practical purposes entry document. Now, being as you're an illegal alien on the land, the state doesn't want to take care of you, it doesn't want to be a burden. What does it do? It turns around and creates an immigration bond on you. That is your certificate, your birth certificate. Yes, it's a bond. But who is it? It's the states. I think all these people chasing birth certificates out here are chasing the wrong, the wrong account. Because if you go into the Social Security Account Act of 1935, it creates the accounts. Yes, actually the hospital creates, well, whoever the informant is, the registrar created the the account, but now, you know how we said we're a registered alien? Well, actually, Trump tells you what it is. You're a criminal alien. Well, let me say one other thing. (laughs) Remember the lady told you that you were an employee of the United States? Yeah, she said you're a federal employee. You're a federal employee because mm-hmm. they and, what did, and I told her, what did you say to me? She said, <clears throat> she said, you're a federal employee of the United States. And I said, well, when did you hire me? And she said, um, I didn't do, I didn't do that to you, the United States. And I said, did you pay me as a federal employee? She didn't say, and she goes, you're going to have to talk to the United States. I said, oh yeah. And who's the United States? Where are they at? She didn't, she would, let me tell you something, they, they're silent, because I already, any kind of catchphrase that you try to use on me, I'm going to use, I already know what to ask them, you know, and, and, and I don't want to hear this, but I'm going to tell you what, almost every agency that I've, I've caught them in the act of, of trying to be sneaky, every one of them blames who, Southern, right, the United States? Well, they, they blame the United States for they. But if you if you understand what's going on here, those birth certificates, those certificates of live birth, mm-hmm. they don't say United States on a people. 
they say state of whatever. Yeah. Those are strictly state documents. Okay? Strictly state. All right. Now, I'm going to tell you, like I said, let me ask a question here. Let's see who can answer this. And open it's an open call to anybody. How long do you have to work to be vested in the Social Security system? Anybody want to answer that? 62 years? Huh? Um, well, when you're age 62? Nope. Sorry. Anybody else? You can ask this question of the computer and it will give it to you. Forty quarters. Forty quarters is ten years, people. So let's think about this for a minute. You're invested. If you start work at age 18, you're fully vested. Under that Social Security card at age 28. But wait a minute. You keep paying Social Security until you retire, right? How many Social Security cards can we get you off? Ten? Think what was that, Southern? How many Social Security cards are we allowed in a lifetime? You're ten? allowed ten. So if you're invested every every ten years, let's do some quick math. You start work at 18. You quit work at, at 68. That's 50 years you worked. How many Social Security cards should you have? Five. You, you, you would say about six or seven of them. Well, they raised no. the age up, but you, I'm going to tell you what. If you look online, I think that I found it one time and I posted it, but now I need to start keeping little things here and there. But it does say that the government estimates how long you're going to live, and um, they do these calculations. And let me tell you, the calculations that you don't see on that um, the certificate, the paperwork that's filled out by the registrar, there's a calculation table on there. And I found it once on Wikipedia that it says that they calculate your average uh, lifespan as 79. So basically, if you're going to make a claim, I think they said the cutoff date to make any type of claim of coming back is at the age of 70. Okay. You, you retire at 67 now, I think. And if you didn't figure out that you were dead before you're 70, um, this is what I was told. I don't have no evidence. In the state of Florida, a man did you know, realized that he was dead and he was already going to be 70. He was just approaching 70. And they were awarded only a million dollars. That person didn't care. They were near their deathbed. 
And that would, to me, mean, okay, well, they granted him one payment from one Social Security card, which would mean a million because um, maybe next week, Southern, we can go in and read the actual ultimate law. That means the most um, current, where I think me and you read one day, you were reading to me, it was 1800000 that they put in when they opened the account now? Yeah, uh, okay. So. Uh, I'm going to... Let me let me finish something here right quick, and then we'll, I'll have to switch screens on it. All right. Let, let me read this to you. Uh, I got this out of some. Since the privilege of receiving private property by inheritance, inheritance, inheritance is not a natural right. Notice I said inheritance, not interstate intestate succession. I said inheritance. Is not a natural right, but a creation of law. The legislator of a state has plenary power or complete authority over the decedent and distribution of property within the borders of the state, subject to the restrictions found in constitutions and treaties. The disposition of property of an intestate is governed by the statute in force at the time of the death. Okay? Now, this is a very interesting thing I'm going to you. A privilege is a special entitlement to immunity. Notice how they're always telling you that uh, driving is a privilege is a special entitlement to immunity granted by the state or other authority to a restricted group either by birth or on conditional ba- a conditional basis, it can be revoked in certain circumstances. In modern democratic states, a privilege is conditional and granted only after birth. So if you've got a driver's license, you've been granted a privilege, you've been birthed. By contrast, a right is an inherent, irrevocable entitlement held by all citizens and human beings from the moment of birth. Various older privileges, such as the old common law privilege of title deeds, may still exist, but be of little relevance today. Uh, in technology, a privilege means a private law or rule relating to a specific individual or institution. So what is rule of law, people? It's a privilege that you created in writing. You have to that's why I was saying that you have to write your own rule. Like when you become an estate or you're gonna operate by trust um, you become your own God, basically. And I had read something like, I don't remember, like about a month ago, where it was saying that the day man, it said that the day that man begins to write his own rule of law will be the day that we start deteriorating. Because what happens is is that it becomes lawless because they they write their own immunities. Mm-hmm. And you've seen that happen in California 
with um, antitrust lawyer uh, attorney Richard Fine, he goes after these judges, and he busts them big time. And they know they're caught. So you know what they did? They arrested him and put him in jail for like a year or six months. And then they go in and write, they wrote themselves an immunity because he found a loophole where he, they got caught triple taxing, taking extra funds from the state, and he was an antitrust lawyer. See, that's why I told you people. You can go into any kind of governing system in the world. They can make a new one where it's called lawlessness or the new republic. It doesn't matter. Equity and trust will trump it no matter what. That's what they're operating under anyway. Those people who are in the courtroom, they're operating under their own rule of law that they created for themselves as an association. That means a group of like-minded people that we're going to put up a wall. And in this wall, those who want to join us, we're going to be called um, the Creepy Crawler Association. And we're going to write up our own laws. We're going to get a, a registration. Then we're going to we're going to trademark the name. No one's going to be able to use it, at, you know, outside of the state. Or they can get it federal so they can cover all 50. And in our rule of law, we're going to use, um, and, and you'll notice this, we don't accept bills larger than $20. We only take checks, cash, visa, or discover. We only, uh, no shoes, no shirt, no service. Those are what you call private laws operating under the governing of rule of law by a by an entity or corporation, an LLC, that they created for themselves in the legal system, and you go in, you write your own laws. Now, what happens when you write your own law? The other corporations cannot go after you. Usually, you go in and you start making private agreements with the other corporations, okay? And when you go in, let's just say you wanted to create your own family trust, and it's going to be charitable, and you have an estate because you want to add your children to your estate for, so that they can be beneficiaries of your trust. And they put in $100 a month into the trust. Say they're working, they want to put money into the trust. The money that they put in that you're going to designate to the trust is not taxable because money that's put into a trust is called a corpus, and corpuses cannot be taxed. So now you have this beautiful uh, setup for you and your family, and you want to do a farm, you want to do whatever you want to do, create a car wash or whatever. It's a family business, and you don't want IRS messing with you. So what do you do? You never file with the IRS, ever. And when you don't start, you don't ever have them coming after you either. Because if you don't start writing up uh, trust paperwork to them, then they won't mess with you and you just apply for your grants to make your business grow. Um, you're a minority group. Your family's protected. You're going to DBA their names. And, and that DBA name is going to be under your trust. The Creepy Crawler Trust 
has board members named Tom, Joe, Bob, and Sam. Okay? And they're going to they're gonna deviate their names as what? Board members. You got to give them, one will be an executor. One will be the settler. One will be the trust protector. And say that a corporation comes into a disagreement with you, then it, you go in with your board, your board meeting, and you sit there and say, we got problems with this agency. Uh, they don't bring the property and materials on time for Christmas for the Christmas charity ball. Um, we're, we're late. You know, these kids are supposed to be dressed. Okay. What happens here is that you created a trust with the agency where you're going to take in the children, provide them adequate housing and sleeping, and basically they're your, your, your mom and dad until the court seems uh, the kids are good to go. Hello? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> we're going to go back, and I don't know how many of you ever read it, but we're going to do something. Uh, I really should do a, a major show on the Social Security Act 1935. Okay? Because we're going to. I'm going to show you something now. I know a lot of people out here, I've got into it with a couple of people, all right, about why I believe that we're all wards of the state. And I'm about to show you. So if you can pull up Social Security Act 1935, Public Law 271, I'm going to walk through some things, Okay. 1936, I'm not going to read everything, because this is a long law. They appropriated 49 $49,750,000, okay, for old age assistance. This is 1935, okay? Today, that money is in the billions. Remember, we're, we're going back 80 years now. We're going to go down, shoot right down here. All right, this is federal old age benefits. Okay, Title II. This is on, under 1935. There's been about 55, 60 amendments to the Social Security Act 1935, people. But it's interesting that the original act is still out there on the Social Security website. All right, federal old age benefits, old age reserve account. There is hereby created in an account in the Treasury of the United States to be known as the old age reserve account, in quotations. Hereafter, in this title, referred to called the account. All right, there is hereby appropriated for the physical year of 1937 amount equal, sufficient to an annual premium, 
to provide for the payments provided under this title. All right? Notice what I just said. There's the account. All right? That's under the Title Two. We're going to shoot right down here. Like I said, well, I'm not going to get into this real deep tonight. If we, you guys want me to do a whole call, I, I put this out there on legal deception before, and I talked talked about it. Uh, just one of the individuals Hold on. Uh, now, listen carefully. This is 1935. This is Section 208, Assessments. The right to any of any person to any future payments under this title shall not be transferable or assignable at law or in equity or none of the monies paid or payable or rights existing under this title shall be subject to execution, levy, attachment, garnishment, or other legal process and to the operation of any bankruptcy or insolvency law. Now, technically, they can't touch that money and they are doing it. Because what they did, they rewrote a law, all right, where they can go in and take this money from these accounts. Now, we're going to go down here a couple uh, unemployment. No, that's Title Three. Oh, Title Four. Uh, okay, Title Four. Grant. Listen to this very carefully. The title grants to states. For aid to dependent children. Okay? Aid to dependent. Remember one thing. In 1935, they took the gold and silver off of the American people. Okay? The children, they promised to take care of the women and the children. But here's where they put 24 million seven hundred fifty thousand dollars out there all right june 30th 1936 for age of dependent children i'm going to go down here for just a little bit all right i want to get past that that's not it i'll state plans that's not it that's not it all right Section 406, when used in this title, the term dependent child means a child under the age of 16 who has been deprived of parental support or care by reason of the death, continued absence from the home, or physical or mental incapacity of a parent and who is living with his father mother, grandfather, grandmother, brother, sister, all right, step-parent, step-father, step-mother, step-brother, sister, uncle, or aunt, or any place of residence maintained by one or more such relatives as his or her own home. The money, B, the term, age-dependent children, means money payments all right, with respect to a dependent child or dependent children. Right here, they turn these kids into wards in the state. 1935. Let anybody tell me that they did. 
They're telling you right there. Um, we're going down here to grants to states for material and child welfare. Okay, section 502. And then I'm going to read something from something else. Out of the sum appropriated all right, to section 501. Okay. Now, this is strictly to take care of women and children, people. All right, of the physical year, Secretary of, Secretary of Labor shall allot to each state $20,000 and such part of $1.8 million as he finds that the number of live births in each state bore to the total number of live births of the United States in the latest calendar year for which the Bureau of the Census has available statistics. Out of the sum appropriated pursuant to Section 501 for each physical year, the Secretary of Labor shall allot to the states $980,000 in addition to the allotments made earlier, subsection A, according to the physical financial needs of each state for assistance to carry out its plan. All right. As determined by him, after taking into consideration the number of live births in each state. Okay? You got those numbers. 20,000, 1.8 million, and 980,000, right? <coughs> you got them, Chibo? Hello? Anybody there? Yeah. Okay. You got those numbers? Now, we're going to go over here in 1939. There's a reason for this. All right? Listen carefully what 1930 happened in 1939, just four years later. Title II Federal Old Age and Survivor's Insurance Benefits. They change this. It's in what it says, Section 201. There is hereby created on the books of the Treasury of the United States a trust fund to be known as Federal Old Age and Survivors Insurance Trust Fund. Hereafter, in this title called the Trust Fund, the Trust Fund shall consist of the securities held by the Secretary of the Treasury of the Old Age Reserve Account and the amounts and the amount standing to the credit of the old age reserve account on the books of the Treasury on January 1st, 1940, which securities and amounts of securities and the Treasury is authorized and directed to transfer to the trust fund. And in addition, such amounts may be appropriated to the trust fund as, here, as hereafter provided. All right. Down here, I'm going to read just a couple of things. 100% per capita, all right, of the taxes, including interest penalties and additions to the taxes received under the Federal Insurance Contribution Act and covered and covered, converted into the Treasury. So that's where they turn those things.
are you still there? Southern, are you still there? Hello? Hello? Hello. Okay, I you're back. Yeah, I guess somebody didn't like what I'm saying here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, uh, it's going to be the duty all right, of the managing trustee to invest such portions of the trust fund as is not, in his judgment, required to meet certain withdra- current withdrawals. All right, remember, all right, this is based on the Second Liberty Bond Act. These trust funds have been being invested, people. Don't kid yourself, they're not. 1939. You all want to learn a lot about what's going on in this country, read the Social Security Act. All right? This is now turned into old age of survivor's insurance benefits, wife's benefits, insurance benefits, child insurance benefits. Okay? Yep. Yep. Hold on. This is 1939. Listen carefully. All right? Child's insurance benefits. This is something you got to read to believe. Number three. Number three. See, they gave you something in 1935 and made the children, all right, the dependents, right? 1939. A child shall be deemed dependent upon the father or adopted father or to have been dependent upon such individual at the time of the death of such individual, unless at the time of such death, or if such individual was living at the time of such child's application for child's insurance benefits was filed, such individual was not living with with or contributing to the support of the child, and A, such child is neither the legitimate or adopted child of such individual, B, such child has not been adopted by some other individual. C, such child at the time of such individual's death was living with and supported by the child's stepfather. Four, the child shall be supported by each child's step by by each child's stepfather. Uh, the child shall be deemed dependent upon a mother, adopted mother or stepparent or to have been uh, dependent upon such individuals at the time of the death of such individual, only if at the time of such death, or if such individual was living at the time of such child's application for child's insurance benefits was filed. No parent other than that which such individual was contributing to the support of such child, and such child was not living with its father or adopted father. Now, right there is where they took these children that were their dependents four years ago under 1935 and dumped the obligation right back on the fathers to support those kids. All right? They also, right here's where they did the widow's benefits. All right? Wife's insurance benefits. It's all right here. A lot of this is 1939, people. All right. 
parents' insurance benefits, okay? I'm looking for this one right here. All right. You ready for this? Upon death, this is lump sum death benefit. Upon the death after December 31st, 1939, for an individual who died, a fully and currently insured individual, leaving no surviving will, child, or parent, all right, who would, on filing application in the month on which the individual died, be entitled to the benefits of such month under the subsection BCD, all right, of this section, an amount equal to six times the primary insurance benefits of such individual shall be paid in a lump sum to the following persons. And it goes on to tell you who the persons are. The children under intestate law of the state where the deceased was domiciled entitled to share in the distribution of such uh, and, and proportions as provide for such law and have no widow or widower or such, no such child or no such person. Basically, people, we got it. Right there. You need to go on there and read all this. All right? We'll be here tomorrow morning. <laughs> okay, I want to read this one here. i got to find this. It's down here. Give me just a minute. So the 1935 one, the 1939. Like I said, you want to find out what's going on, how these people are, are, are doing a lot of things. It's in these damn Social Security Acts. All right? Assignment penalties again. Uh, definition. Hold on one second. Okay, this is going to get you right here. The term child, except when used in Section 202, means a child of an individual and the stepchild of an individual by a marriage contracted prior to the date upon which he attempted, attended the age of 60, and prior to being uh, of the 12th month, before the month in which he died, a child legally adopted by an individual prior to the date upon which he attained age 60 and prior to the beginning of the 12th month before the month in which he died. That's what they're classifying your child. You'll find a lot of stuff in this, in this thing. I want to get right down here. That's three. I want to go all the way down. This thing's got... Uh, Oh, listen here. All right. 
I'm not going to read the whole thing. Provided the safeguards which restrict the use of disclosure all right, of information concerning applications or recipients all right, to, to propose directly connection with the administration of aid to dependent children. These people know that in 1933, when they bankrupted us, that they, these children all right, became the dependents of the state. They know it. It's right here. This is what makes me mad when they throw people in jail for not handing over their Federal Reserve notes because they know damn good well Federal Reserve notes is not paying it. Okay? This is what it says now. The term dependent child means a needy child under the age of 16 or under the age of 18, if found by the state agency to be regularly attending school, who has been deprived of a parental support or care by reason of the death, continued absence from the home, or physical or mental incapacity of the parent, and who's living with a father, mother, grandmother, blah, 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 all over again. They changed the definition of dependent child right there. Okay? So it took them out of the equation. Now, listen carefully. This is amendments to Title Five. Six of the Social Security Act, Section 501, all right? They, they upped the, the money, people, okay? Where it said 1.8 million, it is 3.8 million, okay? Now, uh, my mistake, it was 3.8 million, it is 5.8 million, 5.8 million, where it says 1.8 million or in, the, in 1939, 35, it's now raised to 2.8 million. All right? And under Section 502, the 980,000 is now 1.980,000. All right? So this money keeps going up. Okay, and I do mean up. This has been going up ever since they put this thing into place. Anybody have, does anybody got any questions? Hello? Hello? You won't? Let me see if they're muted. Are they? Yeah, hold on one second. Well, if anyone if anyone has a question, you can unmute themselves.
Nope. Anybody there? Yeah, they're there. Just um Are they in shock? I I don't have any questions. I'm just listening and taking notes. <laughs> well, like like I said, you can, Yeah. One thing you, you can unmute, if you guys have a question, you can unmute, okay? I'm and start reading those social security acts, you will, you will get a shock of what all has changed, why it changed, and, and everything else. All right? This is not a joke. What they gave you, they took away little by little. They took some of it in big chunks. <coughs> You were never supposed to be taking uh, paying child support, but they already had that in place back in 1910. All right? You were not supposed to be paying alimony. You weren't supposed to be paying a lot of stuff. This is why they set up these accounts, and they have the Social Security accounts to take care of that issue during this bankruptcy. Only problem is somebody started stealing them. Anybody got any questions? I'll tell you a good place to find uh, uh, Wikipedia. I would send the other site, but I won't. Wikipedia has a list of uh, Social Security, a partial list. I'm not going to say a whole list. I won't say the whole list because it's not. But it has a very good partial list of the Social Security uh, public laws. If you ask the computer for a list of Social Security acts, you can pull up the Wikipedia and you can start going in and actually pulling up the actual public laws all right, and reading them. Be warned, some of them you're not going to like. They, 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 what, these, what these people did and then slowly just lied to everybody over the last 80 years is unbelievable. All right, any, anybody got any questions? This is why I keep telling people that bonds, that birth certificate, I don't believe that's where the money's at. I think that card in your pocket is where that money's at. Because remember one thing. They turned that uh, into an account where they just went from generation to generation. So it started out with your grandparents, your parents, and now it's you. So you can figure that since 1933, they've been sticking money in that and passing it from generation to generation. Okay. Anybody got any questions or anything they want to say? She Wolf? Um, listening to what you're saying about it, and um, I'm hoping the people are getting it. This is about the, you know, estate, what happens when you die, and how they divvy it up, and um, you you put the chapter on there. I think uh, uh, Jane, she was nice enough to put the uh, uh, chapter up there. If you guys want to download and read it, because I'm sure you have similar chapters in. Um, 
uh, your state. But uh, I want to tell you that people who travel from state to state, like you're married in one state, you're going to have to do your homework and start talking to the Secretary of State, talking to your local counties. You know, just take 10, 15 minutes of your day. I want to ask you something. I was married in this state. Is that license still good in this state? Uh, And I have children. Are they legitimate if they are born in this state? Um, These are very, very important questions. Because when you die, uh, let me just say, like, you have an accident. And you're not expecting to die. Nobody knows when they're going to die. You can have a car accident. Uh, Something can happen, right? And when something happens, you you know, you're not prepared. That's when all hell breaks loose and you go in and you find out at the last minute you don't have no rights. You know, you're you're getting told that your kids, that they're not legitimate children and um, just all kinds of things that don't make no sense to you because, you know, you're saying, hey, wait a minute, how can that be possible? I'm married. Well, let me throw something in here. You better ask yourself this question. How can the state walk in and take control of your children? Mm-hmm. It's real simple. Aunt Petraeus, the state is parent. If these children are illegitimate, okay, the state steps in. Oh, this wait a minute. That's not it, but if you're bastardizing now, my children... Uh, you need to explain the law to me. How did that come to be? What law do you have in place that um, what transaction took place? Was I called into court and my children decreed as bastards? I mean, come on now. We're holding these papers in our hands and not you nor I nor anybody in the beginning asked any questions pertaining to these certificates and what they meant. I sat down a while back with a prosecuting attorney from the state of Florida. About one time when I was laying this stuff out to that lady about the birth certificate, did she deny it? She didn't confess to it. She didn't deny it. You guys ready for this? I hope you're sitting down. Do you know what she said to me? Sir, we didn't do this. She said if the fathers didn't come forward and claim their children, ignorance of the law excuses no one. I all of them to know the law. That's exactly what she said. These people know what they did. They know why they did it to control these accounts, to control these children. I I remember one thing. You may see this word Social Security on that building. But it is the states who are controlling all this money. It is not the federal government. They give the money to the states, and the states do as they please with it. It's up to each individual state to decide what happens with that money. There are some federal guidelines, I'll admit. But a lot of this, I'm telling you right now, is up to the states. Go ahead, Shewo. 
Okay, I want to get into another document that I found regarding the style. The style of names and uh, titles and personal property that I found today. Uh, hold on one second here. I'm getting to my wall here. Uh, let's see. Come on. Um, okay. All right. Style. This was another style. There's several style definitions, actually, uh, that I found. But I found this one called style. Manner of address. And it was uh, redirected, but it's still the same thing. Style. Manner of address. A style of office or honorific is a legal, official, recognized title. A style by tradition or law precedes, which means comes before, a reference or uh, to a person who holds a post or a political office and is sometimes used to refer to the office itself. An honorific can claim, sorry, can also be awarded to an individual in a personal capacity. Such styles are particularly associated with monarchies, where they may be used by a wife or an office holder or a prince of the blood for the duration of their marriage. So in this case, they're talking about the style that they're going to use when you become married. They have a a set-up style for royalty, okay? They are also almost universally, think about universal commercial codes, people. They are also almost universally used for presidents in republics and in many countries for members of legislative bodies, higher-ranking judges and senior constitutional office holders. Lending religious figures also have styles. Sorry, leading religious figures also have style. Examples of style. Academia. Traditional form of address at German-speaking universities. His or her magnificence. Rector, which is president of a university. His or her notability, signed spectabilitat. Professors have the privilege to use the Latin spectabilis, dean of a faculty. Traditional forms of address at Dutch-speaking universities. His or her great honor, her vow, 
Rector Magnificus means president of a university. So they're giving you um, they're giving you a set of titles that they are to be called by. If you're a royal bloodline, a judge, a uh, um, it says here, uh, legislative members and religious figures. Well, noble, learned, sir, madame, a doctorandus. Well, noble, strictly, sir, madame, D, a master in law or a university engineer. So you'd call them sir or madame. That's their title. Traditional forms of address at Italian-speaking universities. They also have their little rules. Um, Government diplomats. His Most Reverend Excellency, abbreviation Most Rev X and Oral Address, Your Excellency. So if you're addressing him orally, you must call him Your Excellency. The Apostolic Nuncio, because his rank is equal to an extraordinary and plenipotentiary ambassador, and he simultaneously a higher prelate in a British form of address. His or Her Excellency, abbreviation HE, oral address, Your Excellency. Most ambassadors, high commissioners, and permanent representatives to international organizations sometimes also use the presidents of the republic governors of provinces, and the prime minister. The honorable oral address, Mr. Madam Ambassador, U.S. ambassadors by Americans. Typically, U.S. ambassadors are addressed as his or her excellency by non-U.S. citizens outside the United States. Judiciaries, the honorable abbreviation, the Han period, uh, the H-O-N period, full name, oral address, your honor, judges and justices in the United States. His or her honor, Judge X, abbreviation H-H-J-X. Oral address, Your Honor. Circuit judges in England and Wales, the Honorable Mr. or Mrs. Justice X, abbreviation XJ. So it means uh, Justice X, right? No last name. It's just abbreviation uh, X. And then J stands for judge or justice. Referential, his lordship, her ladyship. Oral address, my lord, lady, 
or your lordship, your ladyship. Judges of the High um, Court of Justice of England and Wales, the Right Honorable Lord and Lady Justice Acts, abbreviated XLJ. Judge of the Court of Appeals of England and Wales. So basically what I'm telling you here is when you see documentation that has a style, um, that style is already copyrighted to them and to the royal family. Um, And they tell you this, you know, like if you're talking about um, uh, oral address, your worship, justices of the peace are called magistrates in the United Kingdom, usually by solicitors. Uh, If you're going to talk to royalty, then you would say like his or her imperial majesty. Or that, and that goes for the emperor of Japan. Here's another one. His or her imperial and royal majesty. Emperors and empresses who were simultaneously kings and queens, such as the German emperor and emperor of Austria. His or her apostolic majesty. Your apostolic majesty, the king of Hungary, usually styled imperial majesty or imperial and royal majesty as emperor of Austria. And king of Hungary also sometimes imperial and royal apostolic majesty. So, you know, when you look through this whole entire list, uh, they explain to you that it is titled, the style is titled for royalty. So when they write things and you're looking at it, they are writing how you're supposed to write if you were on the land. They call you Lord and Lady. They called you Sir, Madam. Now they call you first, middle, last. Um, Another one. Illustrious Highness. Um, A count will have one, if you're a count. His or her grace. Peers of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth and dukes and duchesses of the United Kingdom, the high well-born, knights and untitled noble persons in several European countries, and also barons in the Netherlands and Flanders. His or Her Excellency, if you're speaking to governors general and British colonial governors, state officials, and generals of Imperial Russia. Okay, so um, then it just says, the English style, Serene Highness, and even more 
illustrious highness goes back to an incorrect translation. These styles originally did not exist in English-speaking countries. His or her serene highness is German, saying their Deutschlock, Italian, Sua Altesa, uh, this is another language, you know, Russian, Bawa, um, his or her illustrious highness, German saying, the, the, whatever, whatever, this is all in German, illustrissima, Spanish, sulo, su, illustrissima, Russian, you know, Bawa, Bawa. So those are the titles and styles that I just read to you when it's coming from families of nobilities and royalties, okay? And then it goes back to the times, you know, during the Hellenist era where they would say King Constantine II as, you know, a personal title and not a constitutional office. Uh it's saying that they were going to try to abort the monarchy altogether. They were trying to stop that. But I found this, and it's really interesting, and um, it's got a lot of stuff about different people in there, uh, like this. In contrast, the ex-king, Michael of Romania, who abdicated the... <laughs> in 1947, technically lost the, the use of his title. The, throughout, though out of politeness, he may still be called His Majesty King Michael or Your Majesty. These are all names and titles, people, and they're written in proper grammar. They're not in capital letters here, okay? Um, the Hellenistic Republic has long challenged King Constantine's right to use his title in 1981. The then Greek president, Constantinos Karamanis, declined to attend the wedding of the Prince of Wales when it was revealed that the Greeks deposed monarch a cousin of the prince had been referred to as king in his invitation. However, King Constantine now travels in and out of Greece without any problems on a Danish royal passport as King Constantine of Greece and has done so several times in the past few. So uh, these people... Uh, basically, if you go down this page, I'm, I don't know, I have to see if there's a link here somewhere. I share it with you. Let's see if I can copy the link. Uh, I'll put it on the wall so that you guys can read this. This is good because it tells you all the writing styles of anyone of nobility. And you know how they say you, you know, you're not supposed to be a lawyer and hold titles of nobility. So you want to keep that because, see, things that are, you know, people that are being called presidents and lord and lady, well, you know, that's probably why the president had to give back his bar license. 
You can't hold title of nobility and be in office. Um, let's see here. I posted it in a legal deception. Um, let's see what else they had in here. I think, well, I left, I read you a lot of them, but there is good stuff in here about past history where the titles are concerned, okay? So I would read that if I were you. Because it's dealing with the very countries that are unfriendly to us. Okay. All right. Um, Let me look here. Okay. So I know you guys have been getting these rumors about um, the Nasara. And I know it's been spreading like wildfire. So what I was going to say was I talked to the bank today because I had to go there. And I talked to the manager, branch manager, and I told her, you know, I'm going to read you this message I got, and I want to ask you, what do you think about it? And I was telling her that, you know, they're saying that we had this transfer of uh, system, transferring, they're, they're going to be transferring wealth. And, you know, when I told her Nasara, you know, I said the government's supposed to be giving everybody benefits from this account once they do this transfer, which is called a global reset of the currency, and we might be getting some new treasury notes in, and I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on this. So uh, she told me, well, I I don't know what you're talking about. She was saying, are you talking about, like, welfare or, you know, food stamps or something? I go, no, just the government's doing a changeover, on their on their business uh internal business structure and supposedly they've made some kind of a consensus where they're supposed to be paying out the benefits that are due to the people whether it be all the taxes they might have been charging people wrongfully or um Uh, some monies that might have been due from ancestor to present to certain people here in the U.S. because of their title and status. So she was like, no, no, that's not, there's nothing on our agenda that specifies that. She said if that were the case, uh, we would have to be opening accounts for every uh, individual who's supposed to be receiving these benefits Um if that was happening, she said, no, we didn't open up any accounts for anybody to be having any benefits transferred to them. I, I would know. She says, as a matter of fact, we're closing down many banks, and we're soon just going to be operating through uh, ATM, or we'll have a couple of people in the staff so they can help you sign up if you're going to do mortgages or or loans, and you know that'll be a lot easier. So I said, well, what is the difference going to be, um, you know, with this global reset and stuff? And she said, well, you don't really see the difference. It's already happening. You know, and I asked her, well, you know, what do you mean? Give me, like, an example. She says, well, if you've noticed, many places will not do business in cash. 
they want credit card, debit, MasterCard, check, you know, and, you know, whatever they want. But she said um, uh, something about uh, it's not going to be good. And it's coming, but not yet. You know, she said they still have, some, you know, several trainings and stuff that they have to do because what's coming for us, um, she was like, the money system's not going to change. People had to clean up their acts because those who are doing wrong, they weren't named or anything, but that now they're not going to be able to do wrong because their uh, corporate structure is now going to be networked with all over the 50 states. So what you do in one state and you think you're being sneaky and doing it in another state, it ain't going to happen. Uh, another thing she was saying um, was that uh, a new thing is going to be coming and it's going to be starting the process because we've been trying to get people and corporations and mom-and-pop shops to uh, open up their accounts so that we can monitor the transactions going in and out. Like she says it helps IRS, you know, money laundering, tax evasion. Um, she told me it stops duplication of benefits. That means if you live in one county and you're getting benefits from another county, we're going to know it because we're all going to be networked. They're just waiting to flip the switch, but um, it's going to happen. So I said, well, what do we do, you know? And she said, well, do what you're always doing. Just be honest because, um, like I was telling Southern, I think he said he found a law or a bill that they're trying to pass on this. And she was saying it was going to get really bad because people who owed support or they owed a debt, um, now corporations aren't going to do business with you unless you sign a contract allowing them to auto-debit from your account. And, um, you're, oh, it's going to be now a cashless society. And where it came to currency, she said, well, you're not, there's no new currency coming in except for maybe um, a modified 10 or a 20 that they put out and when they make changes. But she said the real modification is going to be that there's going to be no currency. It's going to be digital. And that... Say uh, She gave me one example. She gave me one of her own examples, which was, say you have a contract with a cellular company. And uh, you do this people? contract. Yeah. Uh, my phone's fixing to die here. So All right, I'm, well, I'm just going to bring it to a close real quick, and then we'll go next week and finish this off where um, I just okay. wanted to say, like, they're saying that when you do the contract, uh, and you're in a two-year contract or something. Well, the company is going to try to make it where they're not going to do business with you unless you allow them to go in once a month and auto-debit your debt. Like they're going to still send you the notice through the email, and you might get a $5 credit every month because you're, you know, you're saving on paper. But she said that's the only benefit that she sees is that they were trained, you know, like it's going to cost you less money. 
um, the agency themselves are the ones that are going to be setting up the um, accounts with you. Like if you buy a car, uh, they want to be able to auto-debit it at, at a certain date. Well, they want to ensure payment on that date, so they're just going to uh, make you sign a contract saying you're allowing them to take the money out like on the 23rd or the 24th. Uh, breaking of contracts is going to be more difficult. Once you sign off on the contract, uh, they're going to be required to hold, you know, physical hard copies of the contract because um, when you don't want to pay anymore and it's auto-debiting out of your account, uh, they have to keep those records. You know, you owe a debt to the police department now. I think once you sign the ticket, it'll probably say something now like within 15 days, This, if you don't oh. dispute this, um, it'll be removed from your bank account. Well, I've heard different. I've heard they're going to be taking the money out right where you stand. But that, could be that could be true, too. All I know oh. is she, she's aware of that. You know, she was just saying, you know, all public uh, franchises, you know, they're gonna, they're not going to be able to contract with you. They're, they're already changing their paperwork to reflect that they're going to have, like, if you want to do business with them, you're going to have to allow the auto-debiting every month out of that account. You don't have your money on payday or it's not enough, they're still going to take it out based on the auto withdrawal, which is not under their control, by the way. She's saying it's all automated once it's implemented, the data's entered. She says we can't stop them unless uh, they want to put a stop payment. You know, they'd have to put a stop payment. But um, basically... They're just stripping you of your rights now to handle and control your own currency. They're going to be in full control of it. Um, we also know that when you do the banking contract uh, for your personal account, that you, you're signing off uh, a waiver of your rights when you let them handle the funds. So basically, you're going to go in there today, and tomorrow if they rob you of your account, um, that's not going to be good. Any questions? Yeah. How do I get off this planet? Huh? How do I get off this planet? I don't know, but I'll tell you what, you know what that is? I, I myself, I already knew it was going cashless, but it's going to be hard on the people. I know. Yep. Especially right, I'm going to have to hang up. On a budget, and, you know, utility company comes in, and some people depend on oil to heat their homes, and it runs into almost $1,000 sometimes, especially up in New York. And let's say you don't get paid until the 1st, and the oil man comes on the 28th, and he wants his money. Well, if they make a contract where they get to take the money right off of you, um, 
but here's where she made a point. She said, it may cause the market to crash because you're going to see accounts bouncing left and right when it fully becomes implemented. But she said it isn't like you flip the switch and it's over and done with. She said it's already being slowly implemented. And she said you'll know by um, the government especially is trying to get everyone under that direct deposit. Uh, She was saying that it's going to be confined now. Like if you have an account, that account is going to serve the purpose for all the agencies that you do business with. Like um, you're not going to have a special account for Social Security and a special account or bank card for your food stamps, um, and you're not going to have a special account for uh, whatnot. Like, you know, you're just going to have, I guess, these codes. I think they, I don't know what, how they're going to do it, but she said all of your banking is going to be done through one system one social security number. So if you go to one state and you get benefits and she says you go to another state and do benefits, we're going to know because we're going to be all now networked together as one big uh, uh, mechanism to stop tax evasion, money laundering, people taking money out of the state without, um, out of the country without paying taxes. Um, They're going to know what you buy. She says it's going to, help really, really bring down the the illegal uh, drug trade, uh, illegal, whatever kind of trade that people engage in that's illegal, uh, sale of alcohol, sale of drugs, sale of medications illegally, uh, running money out of the country. She said, you name it, we're on top of it now. It's almost completed. And this is this uh, global reset that they're talking about. She was saying global reset means that all the corporations, they have to get their books together, their budgets have to be straightened because when you go into the banking system and re-implement everything into the new system, you're not going to be able to do ball or play ball the way you did in the old system. Anybody have any questions? So I've read to you now. Um, well, that was just news that I got today. I spent half an hour over there with uh, the bank because I wanted to know, you know, about this Nassara thing and, you know, what was going on. Is it true? about any kind of changing in the monetary system, you know, or is our market going to crash? And um, to her, she thinks it's going to cause maybe a little bit of a meltdown because a lot of people are resisting. They don't want to go into this direct deposit thing. Uh, people that they know they're engaging in uh, fraudulent activities, they, you know, they're fighting it but um, she says you're not going to be able to get away from it. You know, you can move to and fro, but now if you're going to be a cashless society, uh, you're not going to be able to uh, hide somewhere and, you know, think you're doing business the way you used to. And she said it won't be much longer. It's going to be fully implemented. Um, And I said, well, what about the people that haven't done their uh, Social Security 
or their, um, you know, their accounts, if they're not set up, she says, well, when they cut their funds off, that's when it's going to be a little bit chaotic because that's when they're going to realize um, that the, the ball game's over. And once it starts kicking in, she said, we're going to slowly start taking away the cash. So um, I'm trying to get this thing to work right. It just doesn't want to work. I've been trying to unmute, but see if it'll work now. Because uh, I see, like, it doesn't want to unmute the people. I guess they don't. Let me see here. Hmm. Come on. I've been hitting these buttons and none of them want to work with me today. Um, okay, let me see something here. Well, so basically, <clears throat> you know, the article that Daniel had found earlier was pertaining to um, the prince. And they're talking about his surname and it says, what is... Prince William's surname, and could the royal baby take his last name? Well, wait a minute. The baby doesn't have a last name? I guess that's because, um, you know, what I told you in the beginning, uh, these people, you know, you don't have a last name. You have to do certain things in order for you to uh, have a last name. And he just read that to you in different, you know, some of the probate. Things that steps that fathers had to take. So it just says here, did you know that when Prince William was born, it said uh, his official title is, uh, official title is Duke of Cambridge, but the public generally refers him to as Prince William. And though we call his wife Kate Middleton, as she was known when she first came into the public eye, while dating William before the wedding, uh, she is officially Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge. Uh, and then you have you know Prince William uh, Harry. He's also now listen to this. It says, and his brother Harry also often go by William Wales and Harry Wales, respectively, passed on their father's title, Prince Charles of Wales. Okay, they didn't. They didn't say his last name. You see, it says of Wales. They're telling you from what country they came from, and that became their last name. Uh, let's see, uh, and if that's not confusing enough for us non, you uh, for us non royals to understand, it gets even muddier when it comes to the royal baby. Though we do not know the child's first name yet, he was just uh, he was born just yesterday afternoon in London. The newest prince's full name could vary, or he may not have one at all, according to the BBC. So the article is on the wall, uh, and you should read it. Uh, it's really uh, it's really a good read. But what I noticed in the two 
Um, look what it says here. The baby could adopt the Cambridge surname taken from the royal house in which his parents, William and Kate, live. Or, finally, the biggest mouthful of them all, Mountbatten-Windsor, which would make the baby's full name, his royal highness prince, name Mountbatten-Windsor of Cambridge. Perhaps they should just name him Bob. That's what it says. So in here also, <clears throat> it'll tell you where the names came from and and when they passed the names on. And uh, basically, uh, you get to choose. See, it says when we were 18, we were supposed to choose our name and nationality, something we didn't do. So when I was telling that to... Um, the immigration, that very law, I said, it says here that we were entitled to a name and a nationality at our 18th birthday. I told her, but nobody told us about this. I had to find this in the immigration law. She goes, well, are you a U.S. citizen? I said, I think I'm not. She goes, you don't know your status. I said, well, yeah, but it's not American. So basically is when she was getting upset because they don't want you knowing that you're not a U.S. citizen. And so um, you have to go back in and look, do you have a nationality? No. Do you have uh see, and they don't say London, they don't say England, they don't say United Kingdom, they don't say Ireland or anything. It's just based on the, uh, and if you look at the top of those birth certificates, guess what it says? district and the name of the administration of that district is what's listed on the top and then and in throughout the birth certificate the only names mentioned are the cities of their birth i don't know if you guys caught on to that but that's very interesting to know about a birth certificate they're not pertaining to a state and they don't have um, London, England on top of it either. And it doesn't have it anywhere on that birth certificate paper state, stating the name of the state or commonwealth or anything. It just says the name of the cities were entered in there. Their last names were not entered in there. Okay, people, look at that very carefully. You know why? Because you cannot be born into a state. I mean, you can because, like I said before, my son-in-law, he's from Tunisia in Africa. And when I ask him, he says, we are Tunisians. They don't say we're Africans. They tell you their, their name off of the state where they came from. And their name is improper All right, people, I hope we gave, you know, out some good information today, you know, pertaining to the um, handling of the estate. Make sure you guys took down the statute number so you can try to find similar statutes uh, for your state. And um, we'll try to pull up the one again for Indiana. I had posted it before so you can look at the probate laws that tell you what constitutes um, them uh, decreeing you the father of your children, not a punitive 
not a punitive father registry, but a decree stating that you're the father by decree of law. That is when you start taking your children out of their control. Right now, you have the children. You're putting the food on the table. You're paying their medical expenses. And if you have insurance, you're paying for their insurance and everything. And they're reaping the benefits because they don't want you to know that they're holding half of that title because they created it and you're getting nothing but the bills that come from them borrowing money from your account. So uh, with that, uh, the birth certificates are on that wall. Look them over. You'll see that uh, Princess Charlotte, she has four titles. And those titles pertain to the ancestors, uh, her ancestors. And it's going, um, I think it's going backwards, because the last one that's on there is Diana, which is um, her father's mother. And then, on the mo- and then the mother has the last spot, which is under the mother's part. Uh, look at something else on there. She writes her name in upper lowercase, and her last name is in a box by itself under the maiden. It's in all capital letters. Then you look at the father's birth certificate. It has his name and three generations of his ancestors as well, first name only, as his name, and they'll say of Wales or of Cambridge, whatever it was on there. It does not have his father's last name on the application. But they just told you in the article that his name, and when they were little, he was called William of Wales and Henry of Wales. But now they took this other last name, which I don't know where they, probably their grandfather or someone that they're related to, and that's what they changed their names to. Look at the occupations that they had. Look at the, um, like, they're even giving them titles as babies, royal titles. Look at the style uh, part that I pulled up today where it describes how people are called by their proper name of your royalty. Now I'm going to find proper names for us, how it should be styled, Okay. That means I have to go into the government style manual. Uh, and with that, by next week, we'll go into that now. How, how uh, basically, if you can, go into your state, pull up the probate laws, and look up what does it take for you to be the father. What do you need to give to the probate or the family court? You don't have to have a court case there, but you're going to have to open one up if you're going to do an adoption. You have to adopt your children. Even if you are their father, you have to adopt them by doing a process and um, getting a decree so that they can remove you from the system as a bastard child. Uh, anyone have questions? All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed the show tonight. 
And uh, with that, next week we go back to the trust section and equity on Tuesdays with redemption and equity. I hope you guys enjoyed the show, and I wish you all a wonderful night. Thank you, and good night.